0: This morning, it is is my privilege to bring my friend, Brother Terry Bennett, to this pulpit this morning. I was speaking to another friend of mine yesterday, and we were talking about voices, and this is what I can say about Brother Bennett's voice. Brother Bennett's voice, before I ever heard it from behind a pulpit, was a voice of encouragement, was a voice of strength, was a voice that would help you. It was a voice of hope. Sister Wendy's voice was exactly the same. One of the things that I love about Brother Terry is that the voice that I heard before he got behind the pulpit was the exact same voice that came when he stood behind the pulpit. He has a consistent voice this morning a consistent voice of encouragement, and help, and hope. This morning, would you stand? I want Brother Bennett to come, and I want him to take his liberty. As he's coming, he's going to introduce his wife. We love Sister Wendy. We, we love Sister Wendy Bennett. She is amazing. We, there's something about when you get around these people, you automatically feel encouraged because that's what they carry with them. Bethel, would you lift your hands right now and just ask God's presence and his anointing to flow in this house. But not only that, but ask that God would allow you to be receptive to what thus saith the word of the Lord.
1: Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. How come we say you may be seated in church? When somebody comes to your home, you don't say you may be seated. You say, sit down. <laughs> hey, good to have you. Sit down. Well, I'll tell you what. I am happy to be here. This is an awesome church. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's every one of your faults. <laughs> it's every one of you that make this church the blessed place that it is. And I've only met kind and sweet people. Greg hasn't introduced me to the other half yet, but you, you're kind and sweet. So we're happy to be here. My wife and I are from the Kansas City metro area. Uh, Brother Stan Gleason and now Brother Justin Gleason's church. And so uh, we came last night to prayer, and people know how to pray here in this church. What a blessing. Wow. Wow. And everyone has treated us so kind. Um, this is my wife, Sister Wendy Bennett. I don't call her Sister Bennett. I just call her Wendy. But, and sometimes Honey. I don't, I don't know if you can call her Honey, but I call her Honey. My, wa- my wife's a licensed therapist, a licensed counselor. And so every night at dinner, we have to have counseling sessions. I don't know why, but we'll get past that. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I lied right up here on the platform here I am i need to work on that uh, we love your pastor and pastor's wife oh come on now you you guys are blessed they are special people they are dear friends and i'm glad that they're right here in the big middle of arnold missouri yes. amen if you uh if you need to go to the hospital then you need a good doctor and if you need to be kept out of jail you need a good attorney and if you need to be kept out of hell you need a good pastor and you've got a good pastor so listen to the words that he says and when he's giving you wise counsel receive that wise counsel somebody say amen uh your pastor you need to love him pray for him encourage him Believe in Him. Stand with Him. Stand behind Him. Speak highly of Him. And when you do this, your life will be blessed and their life will be blessed. You're dismissed. There it is. (laughs) Okay, now, the title of this, hey brother, can we throw that up there? Look at there. The Five-Fold Formula for Forgiveness. Okay, there's a whole bunch of F's going on right there we have the five fold formula for forgiveness now i wanted to talk about something totally different than this and and because it was going to be exciting and 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 excitingly overwhelming and i wanted to talk about that and then i was in guatemala about a month ago and god directed me in this path for this service today so that's what i'm going to deliver today you ready Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, all right, here we go. David Roseboom and Greg Philbin, they were in Knoxville, Iowa in 1978, and they were remodeling a house, and they had poured this, Liquid, after they had pulled the linoleum off of the floor, how many know what linoleum is? True linoleum. They had pulled it off of the floor, and the glue residue, they were trying to get that off so they could lay a new floor. And so they poured this highly flammable chemical to activate the glue so they could remove it. So the liquid is all over the floor, and they stood up, and Greg Philbin flicked his lighter to light up a cigarette and the house exploded and the whole, the entire east side of the house was completely blown apart. And Greg and David were thrown from the house and they were laying out in the yard. And the ambulance was called and Greg died when he hit the ground. And David lived. David and Greg were my classmates. I grew up in Knoxville, Iowa, and these were guys that I went to school with. And and, and David, I, I, I was in school with him ever from the beginning in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And he's still a friend of mine today. But what happened to David during that time is much of the skin was burned off of his body. And so he had to go through this healing process, and the healing process was about, A two year period, and at first, all of his skin had to be completely wrapped. He was completely wrapped up, almost like a mummy, if you will. Every part of him was wrapped with this gauze, this ointment, and then this gauze. And he had to stay in that for the process, the healing process, to take place. Now, later, all of that gauze had to come off, and his body, his skin, had to be exposed to oxygen. So to heal the wound, the wound had to be exposed. So today, every one of us in some time in our our life, early on in our life, maybe semi-recently, you have carried hurts or wounds. If you've never been wounded, if you've never been, if someone has never said something that's upset you, and you've never been hurt by anyone, You're dismissed. But we've all had hurts. We've all had those times when we've experienced that. And those wounds have to be exposed for those wounds to be healed. Now, there's a lot to be said about wounds. There's a lot to be said about this. But what we're going to concentrate on today is, as the sign says, the five formulas for forgiveness. So Luke says... In the book of Luke, it says that Jesus said, offenses will come. Yeah. There it is. Jesus told us, hey, you're going to get offended. That's right. You're going to get offended. Deal with it. Then what it says in Acts chapter 14, verse 22. Now, listen, if you choose to take notes, let me, I, I, I should have said this in the beginning. I'm a teacher, okay? Brother Greg's a preacher, He can be he can come behind this pulpit and in five minutes I'm ready to run the aisles. Okay? Because he just preached, he's got the fire, he's got the I'm a teacher. But at the end of this message, that same spirit of God is gonna be here. And we're gonna feel it, and there will be healing that takes place, and there will be miracles that take place. Somebody say amen. Acts 14, 22. Through much tribulation will you enter heaven. That's what the Bible says. In other words, to get to heaven, you're going to go through stuff. All of us, we're going to go through stuff, okay? All right. So here's number one. Ask God to forgive you. That's the number one step In this five-fold formula, you have to ask God to forgive you. You have to ask God to forgive you every single day. This needs to be a prayer that you apply every single day. If you don't pray every single day, you need to pray every single day. Come on. Is that right? Okay. All right we we got prayer time now in that prayer time we have to ask god to forgive us every single day and you say well well i don't know about that maybe maybe i haven't messed up every single day i mean i i i've done this wrong and that wrong but i don't know about every single day do you know that you have 50 to 70,000 thoughts every single day yeah. wow some of, you, some of you women are looking at me and you're going, my husband but don't have no fifty to 70,000 thoughts. No, you have fifty to 70,000 thoughts every single day. That is conscious and subconscious thoughts in a 24-hour period. Okay? Okay? So if you have 50, somewhere between fifty and 70,000 thoughts, you don't think that there's some messed up thoughts going on in your brain that you need to ask God to forgive you for? Oh, Lord Jesus, we all need for forgiveness. So we have to go before the Lord every single day and ask forgiveness. Here it says in Psalms 1912, who can completely understand his own errors? Can you can you completely understand everything that's going on in your brain and every mistake you've made? And we we got to go to God because we've screwed up, and then we got to go to God because we don't know everything that we've messed up. Who? Who can completely understand his own errors? And then it says, cleanse me from my secret sins. And that means cleanse me from the things that I haven't even figured out. I don't even know that I'm doing wrong. Cleanse me from those things. Here it says in 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, God always gives us more than we ask for. Remember that, okay? God always gives you more. So let's just look at that verse again. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Okay, good. Confession. We've asked for God to forgive us. He forgives us. But the verse isn't done there yet. And then it says, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, if we ask forgiveness, God says, okay, I'll forgive that. Hey, I'm just going to do a little bit more for you. Yeah. I'm going to forgive that, and then I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If we're sincere when we come to God and ask forgiveness, He's going to say, I'm going to take, I'm even going to take away that stuff that you're not even thinking about, yeah. that you don't even know about. I'm just going to take it all away. Oh, I, I'm so thankful that the Lord. Amen has forgiven us for the things that we have done. It's so important this piece of forgiveness that in in the New Testament when when they were having the Sermon on the Mount um, and and Jesus is giving them the example on what prayer should look like. What we call today the Lord's Prayer, right? Okay. It was the outline of what a prayer should look like. The, the, The Lord's Prayer is only 66 words long. It's not that big of a deal. It's only 66 words. But there's so much inside of there. And in that little 66-word prayer, Jesus brings up forgiveness right there. It's something that even in the shortest prayer we need to pay attention to. Forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our transgressions as we forgive our our transgressors. Now we're going to come back to this. It's very important, this verse right here, so we're going to come back to that. Okay, Psalms 139 23 says, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me, any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. In the Old Testament, we see the tabernacle plan, the tabernacle. The first piece of furniture in the tabernacle was the brazen altar, right? The brass altar, wood wrapped with brass. Okay, that was the first piece of furniture in there. And it was called the altar of sacrifice. Sacrifice had to be made before they could move forward any further in the tabernacle, right? Uh, an animal sacrifice had to be brought and made, and it was for the atonement of their sins. It was to ask forgiveness. So this first step must happen because in the tabernacle, they could not bypass that brazen altar. They couldn't go to the uh, uh, candlestick. They couldn't go to the, the laver of water. They couldn't bypass that. They had to start with that forgiveness For their sins. In fact, it was the largest largest piece of furniture. All other pieces of furniture in the tabernacle would fit in that altar of sacrifice. So it's important that we give attention to that, and we cannot move forward until we make sure that we've cleared the air between us and God and ask forgiveness. Now, number two is asking forgiveness. Asking others to forgive you. How many of you have said something stupid to somebody at some time and, and you needed to go and make that repair? That's right. <laughs> Get my hand up there. You need to go make that repair because you said something you shouldn't have said, done something you shouldn't have done. This is the second piece in forgiveness. Okay? Now, in, in he, here today, a lot of us won't be able to... Put to practice step number two, because maybe we're thinking about something we shouldn't have said, something we did and we shouldn't have done, a a word, a thought, maybe we need to go to someone and make this repair, and maybe that person isn't right here today. Maybe that's a family member, extended family member, neighbor, co-worker. Unless it's the person sitting right next to you, that's the only way you can make that repair now, okay? So... We know that we're going to prepare for this, but this repair might be made later, if you will. Here's what it says in Acts 24, 16. Paul said, I strive to have my conscience without offense toward God and man. I make it a point to make sure that I don't have any problem with my relationship between God and man. We must make those repairs. If you've hurt someone, if you've offended someone, it's your job to make that repair. Now, here's something that I've heard, I don't know, hundreds of times over the years. When people go to apologize to somebody, they go up to them and they say, Hey, uh, sorry. (laughs) Sorry? Sorry? What is sorry? You go to someone and you say, sorry? That's that's just a word in Webster's Dictionary. What 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 does that mean? Well, let's personalize that a little bit. Let's put the word I'm in front of that. Or if you want to put two words in front of it, put I am in front of that. Okay? I am sorry. Now you're taking responsibility, right? You're taking ownership. Don't apologize to someone and say sorry. It means nothing. Go to them and say, I am sorry. And then better than that, I am sorry for, right? That's just simple stuff, but it just makes sense, doesn't it? So if you have to make that repair, make sure you're taking the accountability. Okay, we're going to move forward. Now, number three gets a little bit harder uh, three, four, and five are going to get a little stronger. Okay, you ready? All right. Hold on here. Got to take a drink. Okay, here we go. This one's tough. You ready? We must forgive ourselves. Oh, now this is big. This is big. This is. You must forgive. What right do we have to go to God and say, God, forgive me for A, B, and C? And then we turn around and don't forgive ourselves. We turn around and take that and take it back home with us. We must learn to forgive ourselves. You know, do you rehearse after you've done something that you shouldn't have done, and then you've asked God to forgive you? Do you rehearse that over and over again in your brain? Do you lay in bed at night and think about that before you go to bed and you replay it and you well I should have done this. I, oh man, I should have said this. I I I could have I could have I could have done it. You know what? Take the should haves and the could haves should haves and could haves. Well, let's let's use words like I shall and I can. But but we can't remake that moment whatever that moment was so take the words should have and could have and just throw them away don't ever use those words again but we want god to forgive us and we will not forgive ourselves here's what it says in psalms 103 and verse 2 as far as the east is from the west yeah we know that scripture that's how far i'm going to take your sins from you what's I think I saw the sun setting over here last night. So that must be west. So east. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far God has taken our sins from us. He's thrown them into the sea of forgetfulness. In the Old Testament, it says, I will remember your sins no more. Right. So if God's taken our sins and making them disappear, what right do we have to hold on to them? In Romans 8, chapter 1, we know this verse also, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are on Christ Jesus. Well, if we don't have any co- condemnation from Christ Jesus, then why do we self-condemn? What right do we have to self-condemn? I, um, a man came to me a couple of months ago, and, and he, wanted to, he wanted help with something, and he said when he was a, a, a teenager that he became a member of this gang. And now I'm keeping these, this family friendly, so listen to my words so you can understand. But he said that he was part of this gang, and when he was a teenager, he was told to meet at this certain location with another teenager, and they were told to take this, vehic- this vehicle that had contents in it, And the contents in the vehicle was about six foot long and weighed about 180 to 200 pounds. And they were supposed to dispose of these contents. And so they feared for their own life, and so they did this. And then years later, he came to God, and he surrendered it to God. And then he came to me and he said, I I asked God to forgive me, he said, but I don't know how to forgive myself for this. I I don't know. I've never heard a, a, a situation quite like that. And I think I've had a lot of bad situations, but I'm not sure if they've been quite that bad. And so we had to design a process where he would begin to forgive himself for what had happened. and And I told him that He needed to write a letter. This was decades later. He couldn't go to these people. He didn't have names, addresses, phone numbers. He he made the repairs that he could, but he could only make so many repairs. And so I said, I want you to write a letter. And when you write this letter, put the names of people that you're asking forgiveness, put their names in that letter. And then after you write this letter, I want you to read the letter out loud. And then after you read the letter out loud, I want you to ponder on that. I want you to think about that. And then I want you to pray about it and then just surrender it to God. There's times that there's only so much we can do, but we can't live with self-unforgiveness. It will only destroy us. It will only destroy us. Do you notice that I don't use a computer? I'm using papers. I I don't know the world of computer. I'm too old for that. I'm not that old, but I am that old. Okay, 2 Corinthians 12 and, and 9 says this. He said unto me, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Okay, this is what, Paul is saying that the Lord said unto him, my grace is sufficient and my strength is made perfect in your weakness. You know what? It's a good thing that you all have weaknesses because if you didn't have weaknesses, God couldn't come in and do what he does best. That's right. And then listen to what Paul says after that. He says, so I would rather glory in my infirmities, in my wrongs, in my sins. Paul said he wanted to glory in his behaviors, his wrong behaviors, because that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Oh, my goodness. It, God has grace and mercy that he's just waiting to pour out on you. But the only way he pours grace and mercy is when you do something you shouldn't have done. You don't need all that. You don't need his, his grace and mercy When we mess up is when we need him, and that's why Paul said, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. You know, the Bible says God is close to those that are brokenhearted. Isn't that powerful? He's close to us when we're broken. Thank you, Jesus. We all fall short. We all make mistakes, but it's because we fall short that we obtain the grace and mercy of God. I'm going to pause for a minute and and just touch on guilt and shame. I know we've all heard this, but to be clear on understanding it, because of how it plays into our self-unforgiveness. Okay, guilt is, if you will, external. Shame is internal. We take it internally, okay? Guilt says, I lied. Shame says, I'm a liar. Guilt says, I did wrong. Shame says, I am wrong. Guilt says, I feel bad about what I did. Shame says, I feel bad about who I am. That's the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt can be good. If you feel guilt over something and you make that repair, then that's good. But shame, we take it internally and we take whatever the problem is and we wear that. We live under that. We live by that. When we don't forgive ourselves, we begin to carry shame. When we begin to carry shame, we don't forgive ourselves. I'm going to read that again. When we, forgive our, when we don't forgive ourselves, we begin to carry shame. And when we begin to carry shame, then we don't or won't forgive ourselves. So we must forgive ourselves because we don't want to live with shame. It's going to interrupt our relationship with God. Here's what it says in Matthew 22 and 37. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Remember this? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. Right? Okay. Remember what I said. Jesus always gives you more than what you ask for. They asked Jesus what is the single greatest commandment. Right? That's what they asked Jesus. Jesus' answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and your mind. And while I'm on it, he said kind of like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so they asked Jesus this, and he said, love God and love your neighbor. And then he said, on these hang all the laws and prophets. What does that mean? That means that if you get these two principles correct, everything else comes in underneath of that, and it all works. Here's the umbrella, okay? Picture this. Here's the umbrella of love God and love your neighbor. Now, let's try to apply anything in the scripture to it and see if it will come under that. Let's say that you're going to go steal. Well, wait. Who are you going to steal from? You can't steal from your neighbor because you love your neighbor, right? Okay. And you love God, so you're not going to steal because that's one of the Ten Commandments. So, therefore, you're not going to steal because you love God. Well, just a simple thing like a lie. Let's just tell a lie. Who are we going to tell a lie to? We love God. We love our neighbor. Who? who? So everything fits under this umbrella if you apply love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here is the problem. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute. If you don't love yourself, how how, how are you going to apply that? How are you going to love your neighbor? How are you going to love God? If you're carrying self-condemnation and self-unforgiveness, how are you going to be able to apply the two rules that Jesus told them that Jesus gave us as an example? Because you've interrupted that because you don't have self-love. This is why it's so important that we learn to love ourselves. And some of you are having a problem right now with me even saying those words. That you should love yourself. But you must love yourself. You must not carry self-condemnation. You must not carry unforgiveness of self. Not loving self hinders our ability to love others. Not forgiving self hinders our ability to forgive others. So, would it be right if we came to an altar and we asked God to forgive us our sins and maybe we went to another person and made the repair and asked them to forgive us and we're pouring it all out to God and we're just saying, God, just help me with this. This is what I'm really struggling with. You just give it all to God. And at the very end, you take that self-unforgiveness, and you pick it back up. And you say, well, well, Lord, I I, I want you to forgive me and thank you, but I'm just going to carry this one home with me for now. I'll bring it back next week, and maybe we'll talk about it then. But we must surrender it all to God. We don't have the right to trump God's forgiveness. If he forgave you, it's gone. Okay, let's go to number four. Now, I said they're going to get a little tougher. Here it is. We must forgive others. Okay? University of Michigan, they did a study in 2022, and it was on forgiveness or unforgiveness. Fifty-four percent of women say that they have forgiven whoever it is, whomever it is that has offended them. Fifty-four percent of women say, I've wiped the slate clean. 49% of men say that they have forgiven, okay? So, I I don't know. I don't know. That seems high to me. Those statistics seem high to me, but I didn't do the interview, but yet it still seems high to me. But nevertheless, I'm going to go with these numbers. 54% of women, 49% of men. But basically, that's 50%, okay? Can we go with that? Basically, it's 50%. Now, that means 50% of people, roughly, in America have forgiven to whomever for whatever. But that means 50% of people have not forgiven. That means that 50% of the people in church have not completely... uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I hope it didn't upset anybody, but I'm just going by... That statistic, it's got to be somewhere close. We say, well, no, no, not in church. That that wouldn't be in church. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a book that I live by. This has all the rules. This has all the obedience principles. This has all the stories. This is the book of God. And you open this book and you find all kinds of people that didn't forgive and how it affected them. So, So if even the best of best of books has it in it, then maybe it's still in the church. If you're perfect, none of us are. We know that. So there is unforgiveness that we carry even in our life, even in church. We're talking about unforgiveness. Now, uh, in the beginning, we were talking about wounds and how wounds have to be exposed before they're healed, right? Does everybody agree with that? Okay, let me address this These couple of pieces about wounds. Now, if any of you feel that these have stirred up something in you, that's only good, okay? But we're going to go through this list, and then we're going to go back to how we forgive for this, okay? Everyone has been wounded at one time or another. Shallow wounds, deep wounds, childhood wounds, family wounds, wounds from words, wounds from actions, emotional wounds, physical wounds, spiritual wounds, everybody's been wounded. These wounds start from being attacked, being judged, being violated, rejected, abandoned, humiliated, betrayed, dominated, or exploited. It can cause us to feel unloved, unwanted, unsafe, empty, numb, disconnected, powerless, overwhelmed, and full of shame. Resulting in depression, anxiety, anger, isolation, recluse behavior, self-harm, resentment, unwise decision-making, and the inability to maintain healthy relationships. Have a nice day. Okay, so that's what wounds are and what wounds do. And every every one of us sometime in our life has carried a wound. And if we carry this... We cannot carry unforgiveness. To carry the two is too heavy. So we have to make sure, like we just said, we've got to forgive ourselves, and now we've got to go to the person that wounded us and make and ask them, tell them that we forgive them. We have to go to God and make sure that we've forgiven them. The Bible never says that forgiveness is about how we feel or what they deserve. The Bible never says it that. It's about maintaining our relationship with God. Yeah. If people have done something to you in the past, I don't know, they deserve whatever punishment it might be. That's not your deal. That's between them and God, right? Peter goes to ask the Lord, he says, he's standing there and he says, Lord, uh, uh, shall we forgive seven times remember what peter asked that peter you know he he was quite the character i think i cannot wait to meet him because he's probably there and he's probably a little bit boastful a little bit proud now the bible doesn't say this but you got to put some sort of a picture in your mind when you're reading the bible right and he's standing there he's like matt watch this <laughs> hey john watch watch this hey lord now, the reason that he did this is because this. In the Old Testament, I think in the book of Amos, they the the New Testament prophets, the New Testament prophets believed that you should forgive a person three times because they had read the Old Testament in the book of Amos, and God had forgiven the enemies of Israel three times. So then they apply that principle, and they thought, well, then we should forgive just the same, three times. So then what does Peter do? He stands there and says, well, let's just, uh, I'm going to double that. I'm going to go ahead and say, in fact, I'm going to double it and add one. And so he says, Lord, should we forgive seven times? (laughs) He's all proud of himself. You know, seven, Lord, the number of completion, <laughs> the number of perfection, seven times. Should we do that, Lord, seven times? And Jesus said, yeah, yeah, seven times. Seven times 70. 490 times, he says. So people say, well, that, that, that um, was meant to be that, that it's 490 times per day. The Bible doesn't say per day, but if you want to believe that, that's good. Or some people say, well, it's 490 times per occurrence. The Bible doesn't say that, but if you want to believe 490 times per occurrence, that's good. Either way, it's an immeasurable amount of times. It means you just keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving, and that's your job is to, when you're hurt, when you're offended, at some point you must keep forgiving. Now, forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, but it's about losing count. I remember many times when I was pretty good at keeping score. When someone hurt me, offended me. That's not what it's about. Now we go back to the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our transgressions, our sins, our shortcomings, our wrongs, as we forgive our debtors. Do you know what that word as means? It means in the same way, in the same manner, forgive us our debts in the same manner that we forgive our debtors. Well, now that looks different. I don't know if I want to hear that. That looks totally different than what I was thinking. We have to forgive we ask God to forgive us in the same way that we forgive. Or in the same way that I forgive other people, that's how I want you to forgive me, Lord. Well then, well then that's there's a lot of weight right there. I got to make sure I'm I'm going to be a good forgiver and then God will be a good forgiver. Right? Okay, if it's in the same way, then we have to make sure I want God to be a good forgiver of me. So I got to make sure that I'm doing the right thing. That I have to go to the people that I don't want to go to and ask them, let's clear the air. Let's make it right. According to scripture, God's forgiveness capacity is contingent on our forgiveness capacity and big wounds, big hurts. I understand it. I get it. But we've got to make this these principles right. I was um, years ago. I was. I had somebody that did a great injustice to me. It was a very harmful act. It was very hurtful. My heart was very heavy. My mind began to race every day over what had happened. And any of you, some of you might understand the word racing thoughts. I had racing thoughts. And I couldn't get this out of my mind. And so after this person did this to me, it was a short time later that I just, I just couldn't live with it anymore. And I went to him and I said, you know what, you know what, uh, I forgive you. It's done. Then I walked away, and I thought, well, there I did it. I did what the Bible said. I forgave him, so I'm good. (sighs) Then three months later, I was in a dead sleep, and I woke up from a dead sleep in an outrage. And I was so mad at this person for what they had done, and in the middle of the night, I pick up the phone, and I call them, and I begin to threaten them, and I begin to tell them what I was going to do the next time I saw them. Jesus, help me. What happened? What happened? I I said, I forgive you. No, look, there's a principle. There's an outline. We have to take this forgiveness thing step by step by step. We have to apply all the steps and then we have to put God in the big middle of it. If you do it in any other order, if you try to leave God out of it, when I went to that man, I didn't go pray before I went to him. I just was tired of the stuff going on in my brain. So I just ran over there and said, hey, I forgive you. Have a nice day. No. No, that's not the way it works. We must give attention to it. We must apply all of these principles. Forgiveness is not optional. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a responsibility and a commandment. Now, lastly, we have step number five. And this is to ask God to forgive them. What? We need to ask God to forgive the person that hurt us. Uh, For one, I don't like the sound of that. And two, I'm not sure what you're saying. Okay, all right, let's go, let's go. Now, here's what happens. We go to the person, and and we're going to make that big step. Brother Greg, I forgive you, okay? When we were in Nicaragua, you said something mean, and it's I've harbored it, and now I forgive you, okay? Now I did my part. Now, here's what we do. Now, it wouldn't be in, in this situation, but, but in that situation where you've asked forgiveness for somebody, but I say that we must ask God to forgive them because we all are familiar with, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay so what we do is this: I forgive you. Now, God, go get them. You go get them, God. Now, 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 I, I said I, I did my part, Lord. I said I forgive them. But now, God, you said vengeance is mine. So, so go get him, God. Yeah, that's how we could, could that happen? Could it be? Okay. So, so we must forgive them, and then we must ask God to forgive them. You say, well, what's, how's, what's the Bible say about that? Well, here Jesus is. He's hanging on a cross. It's at the end of his life. It's right before he dies. And he's got people that have spit on him. They've, they've spoken evil of him. They've lied to him. They've lied about him. They've beaten him. He's there, and he's almost at the point of death, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. This is, they. It, 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 he had done nothing wrong ever. There was not one cause, one reason, and yet he says, Father, forgive them. They, They don't even know what they're doing. Just just forgive him. You say, well, yeah, that was, that was Jesus. That was a big deal. Um, you know, but that was Jesus' purpose while he was here on earth. And so that probably should have happened. Well, let's, let's look at another account. Uh, Sister Kimberly, if you come to the keyboard there's a lot to be said in this where Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We, we don't have time to get into that, but there's a lot in there right there. Now listen to this. You've heard this before. Hurting people hurt people. Have you heard that before? Hurting people hurt other people. Always always. In some way, hurting people hurt people. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. People have behaviors, and they do it to hurt, to harm, and then at the same time, they do it, and they're not completely aware of why they're doing everything that they did. They're not completely aware of that. They're ignorant of some, and then We have to make sure that we're doing what we should do and we need to ask forgiveness and then we need to ask God to forgive them. Here it is in Acts 7. The last part of Acts chapter 7 is when Stephen is being stoned. When Stephen is being stoned, he says, lay not this guilt on their charge. It was the last words that Stephen spoke. Now, it wasn't that he was persecuted years before. It was happening right at that moment. He was being murdered right then and there. And the last words out of his mouth was, don't don't hold it to their charge, God. Just, Just don't hold any of this against them. So we must make sure that we do what we're supposed to do and we say, I forgive you, but then we must say, God, forgive them. Forgive them. Shouldn't that be their job? If they messed up, shouldn't they go to God and ask forgiveness? Well, we only hope that they do at whatever point that is. But we need to make sure we're doing the same. Now, with Stephen, here he is being stoned, The last words out of his mouth were, lay not this to their charge. Now, Stephen, the next words that it says is, Stephen fell asleep. It doesn't say Stephen died. It says Stephen fell asleep. You know why that's in there? Do You know why that's in there? Because Stephen was at perfect peace when his life was done. I believe he probably did close his eyes and just went to be with Jesus right then. Why, how could he be at perfect peace? Because he made the forgiveness repairs and he, in his own mind, forgave these men and then he made that extra step and said, God, don't lay this to their charge. Don't hold this against them. And when he did this, his mind, his heart, his spirit was at peace. He was at peace. Today, if you want to live at peace, you need to make sure you make these five steps of forgiveness. We we can't have the right relationship with God if we're not applying forgiveness. We need to bring it to God. Let's stand, if we will. I don't know who needed this message today. I know that I did. I know that many of us did. You have to make sure you make those repairs. You have to make sure that your relationship is right with God, just as Stephen did. Make sure you've cleared, cleared the air. What does it say? Jesus said, love your enemies. Love your enemies? That's what Jesus said. He said, love them. Doesn't make sense. It says, pray for those that despitefully use you. Oh, pray for the people that despitefully use you. I want us to come gather around the altar. Let's come in. This is the time that you can begin to talk to God about whatever that is. We don't want to carry wounds. If you're carrying a wound, it will destroy you. It will destroy you. We don't want to carry unforgiveness. If we carry unforgiveness... It will destroy us. It will destroy us. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. You just begin to let God touch your heart today. You begin to open. Listen to me. I want you to open every window and every door in your heart. People open up 90% and they keep 10% of doors and windows that they will never open for God or anybody else open those open those surrender those to God like I mentioned last night that Sister Vesta Mangan says when you pray and the tears fall those tears are liquid prayers so let them fall just let the tears fall this morning just let God come into every area of your life and every area of your heart and surrender it to Him I'm going to pray these five steps, and I want you to pray with me, and then I want you to just continue in prayer, okay? The first step we're going to do is asking others, asking others to forgive. If you hurt anybody else, you might have to go from this place and make that repair, okay? Okay? That's gonna be something you're gonna to have to do outside of the walls of this building, but we wanna prepare for that. So let's ask God right now to help us in that situation. Lord Jesus, help me. I need your help. I wanna pray about it, because, Lord, nothing. If we don't do anything, Lord, we must do it in prayer. Lord, help me when I talk to this person, when I talk to this brother, when I talk to this family member. Help me to say the right things. Help me to do it in order, Lord God. Let me not be hesitant. Give me boldness, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord God, to ask somebody else to forgive me for my behavior. I need this, Lord God, as part of the forgiveness process. Help me, I pray, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, now let's move to number one. We're going to ask God to forgive us. This is something that needs to happen daily. Whatever is going on in your world, you need to clear the air with God first and foremost. So let's take this first step and ask God. God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord God. Oh, the things that I've done, the things that I've thought, the things that I've said, my behaviors, my actions. Lord God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. I know that if I don't have my relationship right with you, that I don't have my relationship right at all. God, forgive me for the things that I've done, the way that I've acted, Lord Jesus, the things that I've said. God, I just ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord God. I apologize to you, Lord Jesus. I want to open my heart, Lord God, and I don't want to hold anything back, Lord Jesus forgive me Lord Jesus I pray forgive me Lord hallelujah hallelujah now we're going to go to step number three I'm going to forgive myself this is a big step but this needs to happen some of you have not forgiven yourself you have not forgiven yourself we're going to take this time we're going to open it up to Jesus let's go here we go Lord God Oh God, I don't want to wear this. I don't want to carry this any longer, Lord. Help me to forgive myself. You forgave me, Lord, and I held on to it. You forgave me, and I took it and I put it back in my pocket and I put it back in my heart. Lord God, I want to surrender it. I want to give it, Lord God. Lord, help me to forgive myself for the things I did. Help me to forgive myself. For the ways that I acted, Lord God. Help me to forgive myself for my behaviors, Lord Jesus. I don't want to carry this any longer, Lord. I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you, Lord Jesus. Help me, I pray. Help me, I pray. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to ask forgiveness. We need to go. Think about this the people that have hurt us. We need to clear the air. People that have harmed you, people that have hurt you, people that have hurt you in the past whatever that looks like you need to surrender that to God right now. You need to surrender it to God. Lord, help me, Jesus, right now to have a spirit of forgiveness. Lord, you know what they did to me, Lord God. You understand it, you know that it wasn't right, Lord God but God, I'm going to give it to you. Your shoulders are bigger than my shoulders. You can carry it. I can't, Lord Jesus. I forgive them. I forgive them, Lord Jesus. I forgive what they did. I forgive how they acted. I forgive their behaviors, Lord. I forgive, Lord, what they did to me, Lord Jesus. I surrender it to you. It's yours, Lord God. It's yours to deal with. Help me, Lord Jesus, I pray. Jesus. Jesus. Okay, lastly, lastly, we're going to ask God to forgive them. Okay? We're going to ask God to forgive them. This is what Stephen did. This is what Jesus did. Let's surrender this to God right now. Lord Jesus, this is heavy. Lord, I ask you to forgive them for what they did to me. I ask you to forgive them, Lord God. Don't lay this on their charge, Lord. I want to have a right spirit. I want to have a right mind with you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, I want to apply this step of forgiveness. Oh, Lord, I want to be like Stephen and be at peace. I want my heart to be at peace. I want my mind to be at peace. I want my spirit to be at peace. Lord God, forgive them, I pray. Forgive them, I pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's just spend a little time in worship now. Let's spend a little time in worship. Praise singers, if you're singing, sing. Let's just begin to surrender it all to God. Yes.
0: standing there and praying and just thanking God because in that moment it was like we had went beyond our hurt we had went beyond the things that we were beyond them now and I have no idea who it was I mentioned it later as we begin to discuss and talk about things that had happened. And this, this minister comes and lays his hand on me and on him and just begins to pray. And he said, God, you have healed them to a point. Now allow them complete healing and restoration. God, you have restored them to a point. Now allow them to experience complete restoration. Complete the work in them. He just continued to pray, continued to pray. First, I was like, but God, I've went through all five of those steps. I've asked for forgiveness. I've done all of those things, God. What else do I need to do? And Brother Bennett, if you'll allow me to add a little addendum. He said you have to bless the ones that have hurt you. Do you know how to know if you've really forgiven someone? Pray a a prayer of blessing over them. I stood and I began to weep, and all of the faces that had hurt, there was no animosity there. Brother Chuck, there was no anger, but as I began to bless him, a weight lifted off of my shoulders I didn't realize I was carrying. there are people in this house that you have you have given this and turned it over to God but right now this is what I feel in the Holy Ghost I want you to lift your hands and I want you to begin to speak a blessing over the ones that have hurt you you have forgiven them you have asked God vengeance is his I do not want God to come down with vengeance God forgive them we've went through all of those things now God come on if you want if you want complete freedom if you're tired of carrying around this weight you need to begin to speak a blessing over them God I speak a blessing I speak a blessing right now over anyone they may not have even known that I was carrying this weight. They may not have even known that they hurt me, God. But God, I ask that you would bless their ministry. I bless. I ask that you would bless their home, that you would bless their family, that you would bless their job, that you would bless their children. God, that you would restore joy unto them. God, I ask that your presence would saturate them. I speak blessings into their home. I speak blessings into their life, God. I don't want to carry this anymore.
2: And I'm telling you, it was in that moment
0: that I encountered complete deliverance. Come on. Talk to him. Talk to him.